0: welcome to infinite exchange at infinite exchange we have everything you need all in one place from clothing and accessories to home goods beauty and a lot more plus with our easy to use website and fast shipping shopping with us is a breeze do not waste time running from store to store shop with us and get everything you need with just a few clicks Thanks for choosing us as your go-to destination for all your shopping needs. Happy shopping with coupon code HAR15! Exclamation point to get fifteen percent of one hundred euros or more. Greetings, friends. Your host, Billy Dean the III, and we're back. Yeah, welcome back to Strange Places. This podcast is brought to you by Spotify and DistroKid. And we have a lot to dice apart. This is an interesting one. First off, before we get into it, I want to thank everybody who continues to come back and listen every week. This is the coolest thing. Less than... I, I read the analytics on this and, you know, my researching nature dictates. <laughs> I looked up to see if this was legit, and it turns out it is. I read online somewhere that less than 10%, less than 10% of podcasters at any level make any kind of monetary gain from the show, regular monetary returns. That counts as ad space, um, Patreon you know, independent stuff, uh, sponsorship-backed podcasts, all that. Less than 10%, man. And a lot of these po- include podcasts that are way bigger than mine. And I'm living the dream, dude. You know, I, uh, I I make money doing this stuff. And it's pretty awesome. If I didn't have listeners coming back every week, I wouldn't be able to say that. So I'm very appreciative of all of you. So where are we going today? Well, uh, it's kind of difficult because we're going on a plane. <laughs> Planes go everywhere, right? That's where we're going. This will give you a little gist. It's kind of difficult telling this story. I need to tell it more like a story, this one. She was the pride of the fleet. A brand spanking new Lockheed L1011 TriStar... Designated N310EA, Eastern Airlines had put her into service just four months earlier, servicing the New York-Miami route. She was a dream to fly and had given her crews not a moment's trouble during that time. On December 29, 1972, N310EA was scheduled for a flight from New York's JFK Airport to Miami International. Captain Robert Bob Loft, an experienced and respected aviator, was at the controls and his crew numbered 13 people. There were 163 souls on board that day, all of them in high spirits, at the prospect of escaping a frigid New York winter. Flight 401 took off into a dull sky, headed to the tropical splendor of Florida, right? leaving the frigid New York City for paradise. The L-1011 Tristar was one of the most technologically advanced aircraft of its day. It even rivals planes that are made now. No problems were anticipated on the three-hour flight. None were encountered. None, that is, until the crew began its preparations for landing, from what I'm seeing. That was when the landing gear was lowered, and when Captain Loft noticed that some of the wheel indicator lights did not come on. Now, he was convinced that this, that there was a problem with the indicator rather than the landing gear itself. He was convinced of this. Loft told First Officer Alfred Stockstill to replace the bulb. While Stockstill got to work on that task, Flight Engineer Donald Don Repo climbed into the avionics bay, the so-called hellhole, that's what they call it, situated behind and below the flight deck. From here, he could carry out a visual inspection of the landing gear, you know, to ascertain whether or not it was down. The most catastrophic of disasters often result from the most innocuous of errors, especially in this field, we know this. While the flight crew was engaged in resolving the landing gear issue, none of them noticed That the autopilot had somehow become disengaged. They were losing altitude and I mean fast. Only realizing the error when it was already too freaking late. The TriStar was traveling, get this, uh, this blows my mind. 227 miles an hour when it slammed into the freaking Everglades. Just outside of Miami. Of the 176 people on board, 101 of them died on impact or soon after. Those who survived were left clinging to debris in the alligator-infested swamp, like I said, Everglades, waiting for rescue, right? Scary stuff. Now, First Officer Stockstill, he was gone. He was dead. Captain Loft barely hanging on for dear life. He would succumb to his injuries before help arrived. Flight Engineer Repo was still alive when the rescue crews got there, but he actually died in the hospital later that night. In a bit of a tragic twist, the air crash investigation would reveal... Oh boy, this, uh, this, this kind of got me here. It would reveal uh, that the landing gear had engaged and was locked in position. Loft was right. It was a faulty bulb. Can you believe that? Isn't that insane? That just... That that got to me, you know. Man. N310EA. As you can imagine, it was damaged beyond repair. Never flying again. However, the swampy ground that cushioned the crash landing... It, it, you know, the Everglades cushioned it, ensuring that she was not entirely destroyed. You see where this is going, don't you? <laughs> Rumors of old bastard bring a, oh, what is it? A little bastard, which we should talk about on this show eventually. Um, James Dean's car. Yeah, you can see where this is going. So, yeah, you're probably right, too. <laughs> Parts of the galley were salvageable. And Lockheed engineers determined that these parts could be fitted to new Tri-Stars coming off the production line. Yeah. One of these, N318EA, ended up in the Eastern Airlines fleet as a replacement for the doomed N310EA. It was even allocated the same damn route, New York to Miami. In 1973, an executive vice president of Eastern Airlines boarded a flight at JFK bound for Florida. As a senior executive of the airline, he enjoyed certain privileges, right? He was allowed to board before anybody else, any other passengers. He was making his way through the empty airplane toward the first-class cabin when he spotted a man in a full captain's uniform. Walking over, he introduced himself, and the two got to talking. Then he looked at the captain's name tag, and the hairs on his arm suddenly broke out. Goose flesh. His name tag said LOFT. In the next moment, the captain he'd been talking to vanished right before his eyes. The executive then ran from the plane and alerted, as anybody else would, an airline employee. He took the story to mean that there was a stowaway on board. He organized a search. No trace of this captain was found. Now, had this been the only sighting of the deceased Captain Loft, it could have easily been, been you know, put down to some kind of hallucination, perhaps brought on by stress. The life of a senior airline executive can be taxing, as you can imagine. However, Loft would show up again, and this time to an entire group of people. A few months after the initial incident, several crew members were boarding the same aircraft at JFK when they encountered the captain. Not recognizing him, they started up a conversation. They were still talking when he disappeared, like a holographic image that just got switched off. This experience traumatized the crew that the flight, the whole damn flight, had to be canceled. That just blows my mind. Captain Loft. He was not the only member of Flight 401's doomed crew to appear to stunned Eastern Airlines staff. Another flight? The engineer arrived to run his usual pre-flight checks and found a uniformed officer already sitting in his seat. He immediately recognized the guy, Don Repo. No need to worry about the pre-flight today, Repo told him. Oh, yeah, we have a quote. Possibly the first ever thing that was quoted <laughs> by a spirit or ghost or whatever on this show. No need to worry about the pre-flight today, Repo said, and I quote. It's weird quoting something from a what could be something spectral, right? It's odd. I've already done it. He then disappeared. Now listen to this. If this is true, listen to this, listen to what quote Repo told him. No need to worry about the pre-flight today. I've already done it. Then he just disappears. On another flight from Miami to Atlanta, the captain swore that he saw a clear outline of Repo's face. I quote Repo again. There will never be another crash on L1011. We won't let it happen. We won't let it happen, Repo said. Hmm, it's pretty strange. By now, rumors of these ghostly apparitions were spreading like wildfire among, you know, Eastern employees. In fact, the ghost stories became so freaking prevalent that management issued a directive warning staff that they faced dismissal if they were ever found to be spreading, you know, unfounded rumors. From a purely commercial standpoint, their stance is entirely understandable. Now listen to what I said. Listen to this. Ghost stories became so prevalent that management issued a directive warning staff that they faced dismissal if they were ever found to be spreading unfounded rumors. From a you know business standpoint, yeah, I get it. No airline wants passengers to hear that its fleet is haunted by the ghosts of not only just haunted, but haunted by the ghosts of, you know, an entire freaking plane full of people that crashed and parts got re. You know, that's just, uh, it's bad for biz. I know they say any publicity is good publicity, but not when you're dealing with airlines, boy. I had to stop there. I actually had to cut. Are you hearing this? Hopefully, I can mix this out, and you won't even know the difference. My cat is going ape shit outside of that room. (laughs) Normally, I don't cut stuff like this. I want to be, but I'm using a condenser microphone because nobody's home. You know, so when nobody's home, I could use a little bit more of a sensitive microphone. You know, that sounds better, but doesn't cut out you know most of the background noise. Anyway. I just I want to be an example for people. <laughs> I think I'm taking it to the extreme this week. I want to be an example for people. Do your podcast. I'm doing mine out of a bedroom. The reason it sounds the way it does is because I've been a studio. I've been a recording engineer for over 20 years. I know how to, you know, I'm doing this out of a bedroom. So, listen to the kind of results you can get with just, you know, I don't have really crazy expensive gear. Yeah, I got a lot of experience. But, you know, you got people walking around. You got a house full of people. Find a nice, quiet room. There's no reason to not start your podcast. You know what I mean? Do it. If you want to do it, do it. Don't be worried. Don't make excuses for yourself. Oh, there's uh, there's no quiet. There's too many people around here. Ah, hogwash. I got a cat losing its fucking mind right outside my door. <laughs> so let's get to it. Sorry. <laughs> I don't even know if you can hear it or not. Let's get back to it. All the directive. From above, you know, might have fettered the rumor mill. It did nothing to stop the sightings. Flight crew aboard one Atlanta-Miami hop, they were cruising at 39,000 feet. 39,000. When they heard loud knocking from the hellhole. That's a terrible name. The flight engineer opened the hatch to check on it and found himself looking into the disembodied face of Don Repo. It should be noted that this is exactly where the engineer had been when Flight 401 plowed into the Everglades. It wasn't just the flight crew who saw the apparitions. On one occasion, catering staff were loading supplies onto N318EA when they suddenly sprinted from the aircraft in a panicked rush and then flatly refused to go back on board. Asked what had caused them to run, one of the caterers later said they'd seen a flight engineer standing in the forward galley and that the man vanished right in front of them. Passengers also encountered these phantom figures. One woman alerted a flight attendant to report that the man sitting beside her in full uniform didn't look well. She turned her back, found that the guy was gone. Another passenger had a really similar experience, was sent into freaking hysterics when the apparition disappeared before her eyes. Both of these women were later shown photographs and identified Don Repo and the crew members. That is pretty insane. These continued sightings, they became escalating problem for Eastern. I mean, so much so, keeping the stories under wraps was proving to be really, really difficult, if not impossible. The airline was undated daily with calls from psychics, paranormal investigators, other kooks, as they put it, wanting to do a reading on board of one of their damn planes. Talk about bad press. I guess this is (laughs) probably one of the only uh, lines of work in which I would not say There's no such thing as bad publicity. You know what I mean? They always refused. The airline had to contend with the fact that many of its staffers swore by these stories. These individuals could not be so easily discounted. Keep in mind, man, these were senior employees, pilots, flight engineers, even one of their own damn VPs. The Flight Safety Foundation had also been made aware of the stories and was not dismissing them out of hand. In fact, the foundation took the extra extraordinary step, you know, of issuing a fucking statement, which you never see in this in this with with this. You never see it with airlines ever. The report, I quote this. The reports were given by experienced and trustworthy pilots and crew it said, we consider them significant. Now to an airline that is huge. That is huge. Airlines are famous for not making any statements of any kind, no matter how freaking bad things are. This is just, uh, I wish I could stress this. My grandfather worked in aerospace for 36 years and statements like this, I'm telling you, they do not happen. So to the incident where the ghosts intervened to save lives, remember what repo said? We won't let it happen, right? This occurred on Flight 903 out of JFK, bound for Mexico City. Flight attendant Faye Merriweather was in the galley preparing meals for the passengers. As she reached for the handle of the oven door, she was startled by the face of Repo, staring back at her from the glass of the oven. Merriweather was familiar with the ghost stories. She was not one to like outright panic. Calmly, she went to fetch the flight engineer, another flight attendant, Accompanying them back to the galley, all three of them saw an identified repo. This time, the apparition spoke. Very Jacob Marley. Watch out for fire in this plane, it said. Ooh, didn't that just give you a little bit of a chill? It did me, honestly. (laughs) Fucking spooky. That warning was transmitted to the captain. He double-checked all the gauges and confirmed that nothing was amiss. When the plane landed safely in Mexico City, it seemed that the warning was misplaced. Still, the engines were inspected during the turnaround and found it to be in perfect working order. It was only on the return flight that prob- problems emerged. The plane was still in its ascent when the starboard engine backfired several times and outright failed. It was shut down before it could catch fire, which was a guarantee that would have happened. And the plane returned safely to the airport. A tragedy had been completely averted. Could have been averted earlier if they'd listened to old, you know, Repo. By now, though, the ghost stories surrounding N three one eight E A and the other planes that had received donor parts from the crashed Tristar—they're starting to. They were starting to spook all the flight crews. A lot of them outright refused to fly these planes. Eventually, Eastern caved in and had the planes refitted. With the offending parts removed. Now think about that shit for a second. This was so big. And this is one of the best. I, I, I'm i going to go out on a limb here. And at least for this show, this is the best best documented haunting i've ever seen we have statements from entities that are famous for not making statements i haven't even looked at one photograph yet and this is one of the best documented hauntings i've ever seen my research was so damn easy it was unreal Like I said, we have pilots, we have crews, we have senior VPs of the company. We have the airline making a statement, which I know I keep going back to that, but it just blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. We have people who had never seen the captain, repo, anybody else on the crew, seeing photos of them and identifying them positively. And then Eastern caves in. This is the big thing. This is what freaks me out the most. These sightings were so big of a deal and they were so prevalent. And it's obvious that the airline said something was pretty significant here. That was their take on it. Significant enough <laughs> to have the parts removed? That's monumental. Now, I suppose a lot of people would argue oh, they had it removed because they didn't want the stories being spread, this and that. Yeah, it's a good businessy decision. Well, they didn't have to make that statement, did they? I know uh, they could have just fired everybody. Airlines do that. Since when has Eastern Airlines, and they're kind of famous for this, since when has Eastern Airlines, I'll just say it like it is, given a shit about firing any of their pilots? Since when have they cared about that? (laughs) They don't have the best reputation with that kind of stuff. The ghosts of Bob Loft and Don Repo were never seen again after that, mind you. Eventually, Eastern Airlines itself would become a specter. The company ran into financial trouble in the 80s and ceased operations in 1991. They're still around technically? Parts of the company were kind of, how do you say this, merged into a Hong Kong-based carrier, Cathay Pacific, and went on to provide years of service. No major mechanical problems. No ghosts on board. None of that stuff. And they're still in operation today. A lot of the VPs from Eastern work for this, you know, new, now Chinese corporation. It's technically still around. It's difficult to know what to make of this thing. On one hand, there is the natural human instinct to reject the idea of paranormal phenomenon to look forward, you know, for, for more rational explanations. On the other... There's multiple first-hand accounts from extremely credible witnesses, all of whom swear to have seen the ghosts of the dead aviators. One thing is certain, though, Don Repo's promise to protect Eastern, you know, their remaining L-1011 fleet was fulfilled. After the tragedy of 401, the Tri-Stars would hold a stellar safety record after that. No problems ever again. And these aren't the only times. (laughs) I'm just telling you about a few of them. There were many times where someone would say the ghost spoke to them or said something and some kind of tragedy was averted. This is weird. I want to look at photographs and I want to pull up some other evidence. I want to do what we always do on this show is, you know, pull up other stuff, pull up other pieces of evidence and really examine this thing. Man, this is one of the very few ones on this show where I don't feel like I really have to. I always say first-hand accounts, you shouldn't really take into consideration that much unless it's from a police officer, you know, a detective, something like that, someone who is trained to observe, you know what I mean? But things kind of change when, how do I put this eloquently? I have a point here. <laughs> you have so many witnesses, so many That you at least have to say something is up here. Now I say don't, I'm not being, I'm not being hypocritical. You know, I'm saying firsthand accounts really shouldn't be taken into consideration unless you know firsthand witnessing is your job and reporting on what you see is your job. But the basic stuff, people saying that they're seeing UFOs, not the specific things. Just seeing the UFO itself. I don't even care about the shape of them. I don't care about you you being abducted or what sound it makes or if it gives off radiation or what lights it has. Take all that shit out. Millions of people all over the world are saying that they're seeing these things. Whether they're government, aircraft, alien, who gives a shit? People are seeing them. Therefore, that sheer amount of people, yeah, something's going on. All these people are saying that they are seeing ghosts. For millennia, people have been saying they're seeing ghosts. There's something going on. What do we make of this Of this flight? What do we make of this? I don't want to sound like a broken record here, man. But like I said, this is one of the best, one of the most well-documented hauntings I've ever come across that I've ever seen. Things are happening during this haunting that, I, that are just so unique that I've never seen before. This one turns my head around, honestly. I don't know whether to go heads or tails about it, but this one just, uh, it, it, it it's, it's throwing me. There's nothing popping out <laughs> that's saying, oh, this is completely debunked. And you know what? I'll be completely fucking honest with you. There's really nothing that's popping out to me saying this thing merits further study either. I'm sitting here... <laughs> I'm just flabbergasted by all this evidence that I found. We haven't looked at one photograph. We haven't seen one testimony. We haven't done any of that. Should we? I don't know. Do we even have to at this point? We're not relying solely on eyewitness evidence here. We have strangers that are identifying these guys. Let's take that out even. Let's just say that it was a case of pareidolia or they wanted it to be this or it was... um, you know, some kind of subconscious thing that they were roped into, whatever, okay, whatever. What gets me, now take this into consideration, okay, into very serious consideration. Once the company, I'm not saying anything here, I'm not making any definitive statements, okay, let's just say whether it's real or not, whatever. The company Either to avoid bad press or get people to quit fucking talking about it or whatever. It is documented. We have papers. There is a paper trail saying that these parts went to these planes. Okay? Whether it's true or not or the company just wanted to get rid of bad publicity or whatever. They took the offending parts off the planes and they scrapped them permanently. Not being used on anything else. The sightings stopped. Really let that sink in. We have a paper trail of the company removing the offending parts that can be linked to flight 401. I'm telling you, right after that happened, there are zero reports of paranormal activity. That gives me goosebumps. I'm not shitting you. That proves it right there. Sorry, but it does. You could chalk this up to rumor. You could chalk this up to, you know, people being tired and the rumor mill. And, yeah, just, you know, pilots being superstitious. You could chalk this up to a lot of it. You know, all that. Yeah, they made it a very public thing. We took the offending parts off. They never issued, like, public statements about that, but... Everybody who worked for Eastern, all the pilots and all that, they were assured all the offending parts would be removed. Let me ask you something. How many times has your boss said that they were going to take care of something for you, something huge that the company kind of gave a shit about, but you know, or even majorly gave a shit about, but really didn't have to tell you or clue you in on it? They could have just fired your ass. How many times have you asked your boss to do something like that, and they did it? Give me a break. They told the pilots that the offending parts had been removed. They provided proof of this. Apparently, from what I'm seeing, and from first-hand reports of the pilots, a lot of the engineer crew, the company was very, very open about this paper trail, <laughs> saying that all these parts were removed, all the parts were accounted for. The pilots could request any information that they wanted. Airlines are rarely this transparent. There's something about this that really is starting to bother me. Because in a weird way because you got to consider something. This was big enough for the company to you know consider that there's something of note here. Even if they're not believers, yeah, there's something going on. And it's getting out of hand, you know. Would replacing all of the offending parts Really stop that rumor? Eh, it could, yeah. It could stop the, you know, paranormal stories and all that stuff. Psychologically, yeah. With the pilots and, you know, stuff like that. They gotta work in this area. They gotta fly these planes. I don't blame them for refusing. I don't blame them for getting wrapped up into the story. But the fucking passengers... See, here is the fly in the ointment here. Here's the thing that throws all of this off. The passengers don't have any stake in this. They don't know. They didn't know about the company policy and all that stuff. These documents, most of them weren't even available until 2010. When this Chinese company, you know, just thought, I guess, that the story was really cool <laughs> and decided to start answering questions about, you know, from people interviewing them and in TV shows here and abroad and what have you. That's freaky, too, that they still have information on all this. This is what proves it to me, though. Yes, the paranormal events stopped completely when they took out the remaining, the, the, the offending parts of Flight 401. That's weird on its own. But you could even still tell yourself, and I wouldn't argue with you, that oh, the pilot, this is all the company thing, and it, you know, it stopped the rumor mill, and it was just a psychological thing. It got them to, you know, forget about it, quit talking about it. Yeah, how do you explain the passengers? They didn't, they weren't in this. Almost every single time these planes went up, people were reporting something. There are hundreds. I just gave you a few of them. There are hundreds, man. And I know, I said, don't take first-hand accounts into consideration. But stick to the basics. I'm saying, first, maybe I should have been more specific. First-hand accounts with detailed stuff shouldn't be looked at, unless, of course, that's your job. What are ghosts? What are they? Was it an intelligent haunting? Were they protecting the planes? Well, according to a lot of the passengers and the crew, that's exactly what they were doing. They were looking after this plane, making sure that, it wasn't going to suffer the same fate that they suffered. I have theories about what ghosts are. I can't really explain intelligent hauntings. I can explain the, you know, in my own theory way, I can explain the kind of rerun hauntings. You know what I mean? Time is not linear. We just see it that way. I It's my personal theory that everything, past, present, and future, this is all existing at the same time. It's all happening... You get what I mean? It's all happening at once. Was the universe created last Thursday? I couldn't tell you, but it's <laughs> it's not that theory. But it's all it's all happening in tandem, just at different levels, different frequencies. And I think when people are saying that they're seeing hauntings, and the reason why that they're the reason why these quote unquote ghosts are kind of going through the motions that they went through in life. Look at Abraham Lincoln's ghost. You can go. There's people who go there. At, you know, reports anyway. At the same time, at different dates, same time, and Lincoln is doing the same thing. He always goes in his room, puts down his hat, and puts on his boots, sits down at the edge of the bed, disappears. Every single time. Does not deviate. And there's a lot of hauntings like that, where you catch glimpses of them just going through the motions. They have no clue that you're there, but intelligent hauntings, boy, I do not have a theory for those. (laughs) Are they a thing? I think there's too many reports. Like I said, people saying that they're seeing UFOs. Take out all the specifics. Take it out. I think where first-hand accounts do matter is that it's most simple and most basic. The baseline. People are seeing things up in the sky that do not belong. Yes, they're first-hand accounts, but there's got to be something to this. There's gazillions of people saying this. People have been saying they've been seeing ghosts for centuries. There's something going on there. Man, I got to tell you, this Flight 401 thing, if it wasn't for the passengers reporting stuff, it would, if it was only crew, I might have something different to say because that incubates things, right? That incubates the sightings. That keeps it contained. We can explain that. <laughs> we have a lot of explanations for that. If it was just the passengers... You know, we could probably have some explanations for that, too. But the fact that once the parts were taken off and scrapped, that there were no parts of 401 left, nobody reported shit. (laughs) The passengers weren't given any memos. They weren't told this. Like I said, a lot of the documents weren't released until fairly recently. That, to me... Proves it. I'm sorry, but I gotta say it. Evidence is evidence. Proof is proof. You can't get around that. At least I can't. I wanna hear your opinion. I'm gonna mark the haunting of Flight 401 as absolutely 100% proven, which is really fucking scary to me. (laughs) I can't explain why it's an intelligent haunting. I can't explain if the spirits were protecting the planes. I can't explain that. I can't explain what makes intelligent hauntings. I might be completely wrong on my theory about what makes rerun hauntings, as I call them. I might be completely wrong. But just keeping it, like I said, basic. Was Flight 401 haunted? Specifics aside, there's a lot of things that we cannot explain. So let's take it down to its most basic. Really, the question that we're posing here on this episode is... Not the specific stuff anyway. Is flight 401 haunted? Yes. I've come to that conclusion for sure. Or was it haunted, I should say. Yes. So let me know what you think, huh? Go to Asylum817.com. That's Asylum. I can't talk. Wow. Right during the show too. Let's try that again. Go to Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com for all things strange places related. All the social media links are there as well as the link to get to our Patreon account where you can get everything from bonus episodes, ad free episodes, giveaways, a certain tiers, all kinds of stuff. Check it out. Conkle Homestead YouTube channel, Donald Haynes, David Peterson, the patrons that we got. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And yeah, let me know. Contact me. If there's any piece of evidence that I left out, something that could have blown this whole thing wide open, let me know. Thanks for coming back. I appreciate all of you for listening. Thanks a million. We'll uh, catch you on the next one, all right? And will we ever run out of strange places to talk about? I don't think so. Because every town has a strange place. And maybe one day, we'll visit yours. The Strange Places podcast is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a music label for truly independent artists. They will distribute and share your music on every streaming platform the internet has to offer. And the best part is that you keep all of your royalties. In fact, DistroKid has made history, marking the first time that an artist on the charts made 100% of their earnings. This is the music industry's worst nightmare, giving indie artists complete control over their art. For only 20 bucks a year, You can upload unlimited music, and with the split feature, you can split a percentage of the earnings to your bandmates. If you click the affiliate link in this episode's description, you get 7% off the first year. But did I mention that after that, it's only 20 bucks a freaking year? I've been a musician for a long time. My music is heard all over the world, and yours should be too. Click the link in this episode's description to not only support Strange Places, but put control of your own music back into your hands. No contracts, no hidden clauses, no lovely coin men and their lovely, lovely suits. Thanks to DistroKid for being a sponsor and giving this old dog an audience.